When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Uh, Over the last few weeks, we've been uh, taking a look at some of the bigger stories, the bigger themes in the Bible, uh, and the ways in which they weave themselves from start to finish. Uh, We've taken a look at themes like covenant and kingdom and priest, uh, and the way in which uh, they go from Old Testament to New Testament. Uh, But we don't just want to do a sermon series that fills our heads with more knowledge. Uh, That means that we um, know how themes like priest and kingdom and covenant run through the Bible um, so that we just know more stuff. But we're doing this sermon series because we believe that the themes that weave their way through the Bible weave their way through each of our lives. Uh, The Bible isn't just an old textbook, uh, but it explores themes that affect each of us, that influence our lives, that weave their way uh, through the way that we go about our day-to-day life. Uh, Way back uh, at the beginning, Dave took us through covenant. Uh, He talked about how uh, each of us has the offer, the opportunity to be in a relationship with God, Uh, a relationship that's not based on our own ability, our own skills, our own merit, but on God's grace. Uh, Covenant weaves its way through Old Testament, New Testament, and into each of our lives. Uh, Rich talked about kingdom, uh, about the values of the kingdom of God, about the way that theme has threaded its way through Old Testament to New Testament. And now each of us here today who believes in Jesus is called to live out the values of that kingdom. Uh, Last week, Dave talked about priests. He talked about how within the context of the Old Testament, there was a a priesthood, and he talked about their function. But then Jesus said, each of you is a member of a royal priesthood. Each of us here today that believes in Jesus is a royal priest. The themes that we're exploring and unpacking in the Bible uh, over this coming sermon series uh, weave their way from Old to New Testament and then continue into each of our lives. It isn't about filling our heads with more knowledge, but allowing the truths of the Bible to change and transform the way that each of us live. Uh, And tonight we uh, come on to talking about feast. Uh, And we are uh, a faith and a community with an incredible history of feasts. Uh, If you look uh, back in the Old Testament, the Jewish faith is full of people gathering together around tables, eating uh, and sharing stories and feasting together. Uh, Jesus gave us a feast to remember him by. And we're told that uh, at the end of the age, at the end of the world, we will go to a feast. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a a wedding feast, like a wedding banquet. 
But, but what is a feast? What's a feast? Now, um, I, I love to eat. I love food. I, am, I might be a, a, a relatively skinny man, but I, am, I love to pack it away. My, um, my favorite meal is um, Sunday night after church, because this is a terribly timed service to eat, isn't it? So we, um, we go home after the service, uh, and me and Alice, we have the same meal every week. Uh, we have fish finger sandwiches, and it's my favorite meal. I, we can eat 15 fish fingers between the two of us, mainly me, but Alice is happy to help as well. But it's my, it's my favourite meal of the week. Uh, two weeks ago, I found, that, I found out that Alice had to go down to London for work. And I, um, I spent those two weeks planning uh, the three meals that I would eat while she was away. Uh, and I decided that the crowning glory of Alice's time away would be Wednesday morning when I would go out for breakfast. And I was going to go to uh, Quick and Plenty Cafe, which if you've not been, is exactly what it says. It's quick and you get plenty. There's no mention of quality. And I, I went to Quick and Plenty Cafe and I ordered myself a fried egg, tatty scone, bacon and haggis roll. And the man said, do you want those in two rolls? I said, no, it's just one of me. I only want one. And he stacked four different breakfast fillings into a single roll. And it was one of the best things I have ever eaten. It was incredible. Uh, me and Alice will always um, sit, will often sit down together in the evening and eat together. And sometimes we'll have uh, friends around. But, but none of those meals are feasts. None of those meals are feasts. Uh, I might uh, eat lots and lots of fish fingers on a Sunday night, but a feast isn't about the quantity or the quality of food that you eat. Uh, a feast isn't a, about that. You, you can't feast on your own, but just having people with you doesn't make it a feast. Uh, Our faith talks about different feasts, and uh, each of them has three characteristics. Uh, A feast involves foods, it involves people, and it involves the telling of our story, uh, the story of our relationship with God, the story of our faith. Uh, We're a community, we're a faith marked by feasts. If you look uh, back to the Old Testament, they were uh, always having feasts, Exodus uh, 23, uh, verse 26, verse 13 says this. It says, Also, you shall observe the feast of the harvest of the first fruits of your labor from what you sow in the fields. Uh, also, the feast of the ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in the fruits of your labors from the fields. Uh, they managed to take one single event and make two feasts out of it. Uh, they said, Well, when you gather your first um, harvest. Uh, You need to celebrate that because God has been good and faithful. Uh, And when you celebrate your final harvest, you need to celebrate that and have another feast. Our faith is littered with feasts. Uh, In the um, Old Testament, the Jews were given seven feasts to observe. Uh, They were given four uh, for spring and three for autumn. Uh, And each of those feasts told a different part of their story, a different part of their relationship with God. Uh, They would have feasts like uh, those where they would celebrate uh, the first harvest and the final harvest. They would have feasts that would uh, celebrate the giving of the law. They would have feasts that would celebrate um, their escape from Egypt, uh, manna in the desert. Uh, Every um, marker in their relationship with God, every marker in their year had a feast associated with it. Uh, They would gather together, they would eat, and they would tell the story of their faith. Uh, Each of those seven feasts told a story, it had a purpose behind it. Uh, The most important of those feasts was Passover. 
Uh, at Passover, uh, Jews would try and be in Jerusalem in the most holy city, uh, and they would uh, get a lamb or a goat and they would roast it. Uh, they'd roast the lamb because they wanted the lamb to be as pure as possible. Uh, when, you, uh, when you roast something, uh, all of the liquid gets expelled from it. Normally they would boil meat, and when you boil it, it kind of uh, gets bigger and it takes on the stuff around it, but, but they want this to be a pure meal, so they roast it and it shrinks and gets rid of all the water. Uh, So they uh, would roast the lamb, uh, and as they ate that meal, they would remember their story. They would remember that they were once slaves in Egypt, and God set them free. Uh, They would feast, they would gather, they would eat, and they would tell the story. The Jews had seven feasts, each telling a different part of the story. Uh, Jesus came, uh, and each uh, part of the story that those feasts would tell... Uh, Each part of that story found its fulfillment in him. Uh, Each of those seven stories finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And Jesus came and he said, I'm the fulfillment of these stories. And he gave us one feast. Uh, The Jews had seven feasts talking about the seven different parts of their story. Jesus fulfills that story and then he gives us one feast in exchange. Feast flows all the way through the Old Testament. It finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And then he says, I am giving you one feast. He says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, Jesus could have given us uh, any way of remembering him. Uh, He could have given us uh, a set of rules for us to follow. He could have said, uh, keep these rules as you remember me. Uh, He could have said, um, remember me by wearing this particular set of clothes or by uh, marking your body in this particular way. But but Jesus says, gather people, drink wine, eat bread, and remember me. The way that someone has to be remembered shows us something about the person being remembered. Uh, Maybe you've um, been to a funeral uh, and that person has left some instructions around how that funeral is meant to be carried out. Uh, And as you go to that funeral, uh, you can kind of recognize them in that funeral service. Uh, I went to a a funeral uh, and the the funeral was very um, stiff and very formal and everything was very traditional and quite quiet and they only wanted their close family around. That, That tells you something about the kind of person whose funeral it is. Uh, Two years ago, my mentor Trevor died, um, and his funeral was completely different. Um, Trevor um, was um, funny and interesting, and he he gathered a big crowd around him. And so I went to his funeral, uh, and the church was absolutely packed, 300 people there. And everyone was um, sobbing and crying, and um, Trevor's expression of faith was um, slightly unusual. Um, And the the service was loud and raucous, and in the middle of the funeral, um, someone came on stage with a a huge um, kind of ram's horn, and someone blew the horn as a symbol that Trevor's life, his battle, had come to an end, and he was now uh, in heaven uh, with his heavenly father. Uh, uh, The way someone has to be remembered gives you an insight into the kind of person that they are. So Jesus saying, remember me in a feast, gives us an insight into the kind of person, the kind of uh, God, the kind of saviour that Jesus is and was. I think it suggests to me that um, Jesus is very kind, that Jesus is very gentle, that he's loving, that there's a softness about him. But I think it uh, highlights two things in particular, and they're, they're quite 
obvious, uh, to be honest. The, the first, uh, I think, is that um, Jesus is passionate about stories. He recognizes the power of telling stories. And that Jesus is also deeply concerned about our need for relationship. He says, um, gather people, eat food, and tell the story. Tell my story. Talk about the kind of person that I was, the kind of life that I lived. I think he wants us to to tell the story because uh, when we uh, tell stories, it, it fires up our imagination, doesn't it? Uh, When someone tells a story about a particular event, uh, we start to picture ourselves in that story and in that situation. Uh, So when a a friend uh, starts talking about being in a a hospital waiting room, uh, we picture ourselves in that waiting room alongside them. Uh, When a a friend talks about going to the park, we picture ourselves at the park. When they talk about something that happened at, at work or around a dining room table, we start to picture and we imagine ourselves in that place with them. Uh, stories start to connect with our imagination. They start to make us uh, think through what it is that's going on. Uh, when someone tells a, a story, it connects with our emotions. Uh, maybe you've uh, been to the cinema recently and you've seen a, a story on screen and it's made you feel something in particular. Uh, I went to see um, La La Land a few weeks ago. Um, I said, we didn't, we didn't plan on seeing it, but um, the film we wanted to see was sold out, so we went to see La La Land. That's, that's my excuse. That's how I justify having been to see it. And it's the most beautiful story. And, and watching that film um, fired up a set of uh, emotions and it created an emotional reaction within me. Um, stories do that to us. They take us to different places, to different moments, to different times, and they create an emotional reaction within us. If Jesus said, uh, remember um, me by remembering this, um, these six facts, it wouldn't do that. But Jesus says, remember me, remember the story. As we gather, we're called to remember the story of Jesus. We're called to remember his birth, his life, the, the kind of things that he did, the kind of places that he went, the people that he spoke to. Uh, we're called to remember his uh, death, his resurrection, And as we tell that story, that story resonates with us. Uh, We have different reactions. Sometimes we're surprised. Sometimes we're offended. Sometimes um, we feel inspired or or let down. But but the story creates a reaction within us. Uh, And as uh, that story creates a reaction within us, uh, it causes us to um, question and to want to change our own story. Often when we read the Bible, we see um, Jesus do a particular thing and we think, gosh, I wish I was more like that. I wish I uh, lived my life like that. Look at the justice. Look at the love. Look at the kindness that Jesus has. Uh, And that story, uh, the story of Jesus' life, makes us want to change. It inspires us to live differently, to love more deeply, uh, to be the people that God is calling us to be. Jesus gives us a story, his life, he says, remember it. And as we remember it, we're challenged and we're provoked to change. But Jesus doesn't want us to remember that story on our own in isolation, but with friends, with people that we know. And I think that the reasons um, for that are, are multiple. There are lots of different reasons for Jesus to want us to, to not be alone, to not be isolated. But I think uh, there's one that I just want to, to draw out. Uh, Jesus wants us uh, to be in relationship with each other as we remember this story because uh, the way that you tell the story, the way that you talk about your faith, the way that you talk about uh, what God has done through you and in you, 
It challenges me and it provokes me because the language that you use, the way that you articulate it is different to the way that I articulate it. And as you talk about your faith and as you talk about Jesus and as you talk about the things that he's done in your life, uh, that challenges and that inspires me. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a a book called The Inklings and he he talks about um, something similar to this and in the bit I'm going to read he talks about um, someone called Charles, uh, a friend who's passed away and he talks about someone called Ronald. Um, Ronald to you and me um, is J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, the writer of Lord of the Rings. Uh, C.S. Lewis was friends with um, Tolkien and Charles and they're the the people uh, in this story. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote this. He said, In each of my friends, there is something that only the other friends can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want lights. I want lights other than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald's, Having him to myself now that Charles is away, I actually have less of Ronald's. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition which each of us has of God's. For every soul, seeing him in their own unique way, doubtless communicates that same unique vision to all the rest. That, says an old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying holy, holy, holy to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more each of us shall have. He's saying that someone else's expression of their relationship with God casts a light on God that we don't see in isolation. If I um, stay in my, old, in my own world, in my own bubble, I don't uh, get to learn from you and your relationship with God. As um, C.S. Lewis is saying, I only live by my own light, but when I see your relationship with God, that casts light on another facet of God's, on another expression, on another angle, on a, a deeper understanding. Uh, Jesus gives us a feast to remember him by. Uh, Because he's calling us uh, to tell the story, to remember the power of who Jesus was and what he did, uh, and to remember him together in relationship so that we each have the benefit of learning from each other, uh, of gaining uh, wisdom and insight uh, from each other's relationship with God. Maybe um, you're in a, a connect group and you can resonate with that. You've heard someone else talk about their relationship with God. And as they've talked about it, you thought, oh, I wouldn't express it quite like that. Uh, That's a different wording. I didn't know that God could do that. I didn't know that God cared about that. And as you hear them tell their story, it starts to challenge your own perceptions of God. It starts to uh, make you um, question and rethink parts of your faith through. Uh, And as uh, Jesus uh, institutes a a feast for us to remember him by, uh, he also says that all are welcome. All are welcome at this feast. Uh, He says uh, in our passage that the hand of him who's going to betray me is on the table. The hand of him who is going to betray me is on the table. 
Uh, that's a very particular reference within that culture. Uh, for someone to have their hand on the table uh, implies a, a close relationship between everyone in the room. Uh, if you're putting your hand on the table, that means that you're um, in deep friendship with the people that you're eating with. It's a, a, a part of the culture of that time. So what Jesus is saying in our uh, modern day language is, one of my friends is about to betray me. One of my friends is about to betray me, and they are still invited to the feast. One of my friends is about to betray me, and they are still invited to the feast. Our invitation to this feast, to gather with people, to eat together, to remember the story of Jesus, isn't based on how good we are isn't based on how noble we think we can be, on how impressive, on whether we've uh, done all the right things, or or how shameless or um, free we feel. It's nothing to do with that, but Jesus says that each of you are welcome to come and meet with me, to come and eat, to come and remember, Uh, irrespective of what you've done, of where you've been to. uh, Jesus invites each of us to come and feast with him. So feast weaves its way through all of Scripture. Uh, Within the uh, Jewish uh, faith, there were seven feasts, and each of those seven feasts told a a different part of the story. It uh, served a different purpose. And each of those seven stories find their fulfillment in Jesus, and he gives us one feast. He gives us one feast. Uh, And as Jesus gives us a feast, it helps us to understand that Jesus values uh, stories and relationships. The story of Jesus affects us and it changes us and it resonates within us, it provokes us. Uh, And as we uh, hear that story, we hear it from other people as well. We share our own stories. And as we hear other people's stories, uh, our faith again is challenged and provoked. And as that happens, we learn and we grow and we begin to resemble more and more the people that God is calling us to be. Amen.